Let's pray together as we, as we open God's Word. Lord, we want to thank you for your Word, and as we share from your Word today, we ask that you would again open our hearts and minds that we can hear from you. Lord, we don't want to hear from David. We want to hear directly from you, Heavenly Father. And you've promised that through your Spirit. So as we listen, Lord, we open ourselves to hear from you. Speak to us today. Teach us from your word. For we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. What do you do when someone comes up to you and says, you're just dressed normally? This happened to me. Somebody came up to me. I was just dressed like I normally dress during the week, just like most of you are dressed today. Came up to me and they said, you're a pastor and God is going to do this, this, and this in the church where you're serving. What do you do with that? What do you say when they say that to you? I never know what the correct spiritual answer is. I just normally say, oh, thank you, and then walk off. What do you do when somebody comes up to you and says, you know what, the Lord has told me to tell you that this time next year you're going to have a baby. What do you do with that? you're a guy, do you say to your wife, let's go home right now, have some fun? What do you do though? What do you do when somebody comes up to you and says, the Lord has told me to tell you, don't worry about the situation you're in because he's going to get you the job that you've always wanted. Trust him. What do you do with that? Do you, do you kind of go, oh, well, yeah, then no, I haven't, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, reject all these other ones because this is the job I've always wanted so I'm going to just hold out until I get this one because the Lord has promised me because this guy said it this woman said it what do you do with things like that what do you do when someone comes up and says I think the Lord is telling me to tell you this what do you do with those things well there's three things that you can do with it First, you can just dismiss it. You can say, he's weird. Like, whoo, just ignore it. Like, there's some, you know, there's some really zealous Christians out there, aren't there? They like to go around and minister to everybody. And so you can, you can put them in that category of, well, I bet they go around to all sorts of people and just say, you know, bless you, my daughter, God's going to do this. Bless you, my son, God's going to do this. And they just, like, it's just a habit with them, and you kind of dismiss them, and you put them into that corner that says, well, they're just kind of weird and extreme, and let's just not worry about it. Let's just ignore it. You can take on board what they say, and then you can completely ignore it. You can just say, oh, thank you very much. Praise God. Bless you. And then you just completely forget all about it and can walk away and just go, well, that was a bit weird, and walk off and ignore it. Or you can then go, my goodness, I better, I better do something about this. God says that me and my wife are going to have a baby by this time next year. I better go get the room ready. 
I'm going to go out, I'm going to buy a cot, I'm going to go and get a new buggy, I'm going to get all the, all the nappies lined up, I'm going to get everything sorted, I'm going to do it because God spoke through this person to me, he knows what I've always wanted, and, and therefore it's going to happen, and I'm just going to go and act on it. Those are kind of the things you could do, but the Bible gives a fourth option. Turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because this is what the Bible says we should do when God speaks through someone else to us. God is our Heavenly Father. He loves to speak to each one of us. We shouldn't be surprised that God wants to speak to us. Why wouldn't He? You know, my son, my youngest son, he's in Australia at the moment. And he he was texting us all week and he said, Dad, Father's Day... I'm on, a, I'm on a road trip on Sunday with his work there. He's gone off, so couldn't talk to him today. So he was texting us all week saying, Dad, when can we FaceTime? And so we arranged yesterday morning to FaceTime. I was supposed to be out playing tennis with Mike. But I said, okay, you know what? Losing to Mike or talking to my son, I'll talk to my son. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to do that. And it was great to see him, and we had a long chat. He was late on the phone, and then it went on and on and on, and we were just talking and talking and talking. It was great to do that, even though we're so far away. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father loves to talk to us, so we shouldn't be surprised when we receive words from Him as well as give words to Him. Conversation is always two-way. And so God speaks to us, but what do we do when he says these things to us? Let's look in at God's word. It's always a good place to go. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Be joyful or rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire, Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May that your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You see what it says there, first of all, verses 16 to 18. It says, basically, have a godly focus. Rejoice, pray, give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, fix your attention on God. Look towards God so that everything else is in the right perspective. Put put your whole attention towards Him. Pray in all circumstances. When the ocean rise, tempest fall. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to God. Even though you want to look around you and there's a temptation to see those big waves coming over you in your life, look to Him, it says. And give thanks. Give thanks because He is with you and He's promised never to leave you and never forsake you. And He's going to keep you safe through it all. So it says, first of all, have that kind of godly focus. Secondly, it says, look in verse 19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies, words from God, with contempt. 
In other words, it says quite clearly, do not do option number one or two of what I said. Do not either dismiss the individual or dismiss the prophecy, the word from God, ignore it. Because if you do that, you're in danger of putting out the Spirit's fire. What you're in danger of doing is saying, God, I don't believe that you're going to talk to me like that. Therefore, I'm just going to ignore it. Or that guy, he's weird, so I'm not even going to listen to it. And what you're in danger of doing is putting out the flame of God's Spirit that wants to speak to you and wants to burn brightly within you. And immediately, before you've even listened to it, you've put it out. And he says, don't do that. Because once you put that out, who knows whether, when and how it's going to start blowing and, and firing up again. Many, many people, many churches, I think, are in spiritual weakness right now because they've done just that. God has spoken to them and they've just ignored it and said, no, 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 we, we've got our religion, thank you very much. We've got the way we do things here. And God says, yeah, but I want to do things slightly differently. I want to do this and this and this in your midst. And they're going, oh, no, thank you very much. Kind offer, but no thanks. We're, we're quite happy, thank you very much. And what they've done is they've poured water on top of the Spirit's fire and they've poured so much on there that they put it out. That's why Jesus was so angry with the Pharisees. Because, because that's what they were doing. They were saying, don't, don't follow Jesus, don't. Don't have freedom in your faith. Don't, don't have that relationship and that connection with God. Just do this and you'll be fine. And basically what they were doing is saying, they're just pouring water all over God's spirit. And Jesus got so angry with them. and said, stop doing that. Stop putting out the spirit's fire. So what are we to do? It says verse 21 quite clearly. Test everything. Test everything. Hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Now this is not the same as in Deuteronomy 6.16 which says do not put the Lord your God to the test. You have that rammed in you from a young age. Don't test God. It's angry with you. This is not the same. That is questioning who God is. That is putting God up there and saying God... Prove yourself to me. That's setting me up above God and saying, God, if you measure up to my standards, to my liking, then okay, then I will accept you. If you don't, then I'm sorry. That's why it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It's not talking about here. This is talking about understanding what God is trying to say to us. It says, test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. The question is then, how do we test what God has been saying to us? You know, the Bible is full of prophecy. A guy called Dr. George Sweeting, he once estimated that over a quarter of the Bible is about prophecy. You're right, and the Old and New Testaments are so full of promises about the, the coming of Jesus and the return of Jesus. He says there's over 1,800 references in the Old Testament. That give 17 of the Old Testament books give prominence to prophecy. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, there are more than 300 references to the Lord's return about what's going to happen. God wants us to know things about our lives and about what He wants to do in us and through us. 
The Bible is full of it. And our life and our journey is going to be full too of Jesus, of God saying to us, David, this is, this is what I want you to do. David, I'm going to, you listen to me. I'm going to be talking to you. Let me show you. But he says, when he speaks, test. Test everything so you know for sure that it's from him. How do we do that? Well, let's look at the first test. There are five tests that you should apply. That's why I've given you the handout, so you can write them in. The first test is the scripture test. These all begin with the letter S, right? The scripture test. Look at Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 10. This is Paul on his missionary journey. He's been to Thessalonica, from where we just read. He goes round the coast, thrown out of there, leaves, goes to Berea, the next town round. Starts talking there. Before he goes round to Athens, where he writes the, uh, I think it's Athens, he writes the letter to the, or is in Corinth, rather, in the, around the coast even more. And then he writes his letter back to Thessalonica. But in Berea, it says this, As soon as it was night... The brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. That's from Thessalonica. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believe, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Two things that they're commended for here. One is that they receive it with an openness. They have an openness in their heart, so they listen to the message. When God speaks, when God says something through someone else, they receive it with an openness. But they also, with that openness, don't just take it on board and say, thanks very much, I'm now going to act on it. They look through the pages of the Scriptures and they say, does this marry up with what the Scriptures say? God will never say anything contrary to His Word. Ever. Ever. So if He is asking you to do something, if He is, if he is saying something to you that is contrary to the Word of God, ignore it. It's not from Him. This is God's character. This is what God wants us to know about who he is. He will never, ever say anything against his word. So if he says, David, I want you to go and do this, and it's against the principles of Scripture, then ignore it. Trinity, I want you to go and do this, and it's against the principles of what we see in here, ignore it. It's not from God. Because he will always, always work through what he has shown us about who he is, who we are through the pages of Scripture. One, Second Peter, chapter one, sixteen to twenty-one, says this: We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power of and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father. When the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the words of the prophets. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and, I t- and you will do well to pay attention to it. 
as to the light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What it's saying is that all the Scriptures that we have do not have its origin in humanity. It has its origin in God's Spirit, in God. We have written here the very words that God wanted to give to humanity. And so he will never say anything that is contrary to Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, training, rebuking, correcting in righteousness so the Son of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture has that voice of God through it. And so the first thing you need to ask yourself is the Scripture test. Does it marry up with what I understand about God through Scripture? Does it marry up with the Scriptures themselves? Or is it contrary to Scripture? Second test is this. Look in 1 John chapter 4. It's what I call the Saviour test. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard is coming. And now is already in the world. Now, John here is talking specifically against Gnosticism which was a, a, a kind of a, a faith uh, that was set up at his time, that didn't believe in the physical Jesus, that Jesus, the Messiah, comes in spirit. So he says, the way to test it is to say, is this spirit coming physically? Are you saying about a physical Jesus or not? And so that's not necessarily the same for us. But what it is saying is, does this message promote Jesus Christ. Does it, does it align with the character, the mission, the purpose of Jesus? Is it Christocentric, as you would call it in theological terms? Is it about Jesus Christ? Is Jesus in there? Is it a word just for you, or is it a word that honors and glorifies Jesus Christ? Matthew 22, it's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Does it demonstrate this word, a love towards God, towards Jesus Christ? Or is it about you and your world and the things of you? Be very careful if it's just about you and not about the kingdom of God, about Jesus and what he's about. Look at the Savior test. Galatians chapter 1 is the spirit test. Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 to 9. It says this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. 
Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. These are strong words from Paul. It's the spirit test. Does it promote the gospel? The gospel that Jesus Christ wants us to have a relationship with him. Matthew 28, go into all the world, make disciples. Does it promote that? Is that message that is from God about the promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it drawing us into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it about, because that's the work, one of the works of the Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus describes the Spirit and he says the Spirit is the one that will come and convict the world of sin and will help them to turn towards a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he's saying here, is that message that you have received about that relationship, drawing in people, drawing in others, encouraging others in a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the spirit test. Is the result of that going to be a closer relationship with Jesus? Because if it's not, then it's not from God. Because God works to draw his people together, to draw us closer and closer to him. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need to check out when we receive those words. Is that what it's going to be doing? Is that the outcome of what we're talking about? Number four is the saint test. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do, you, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The fourth test is to check out the fruit of the channel, the person that is sharing that with you. Now, sometimes that's not possible. I was at a uh, Christian kind of convention thing. I was just dressed normally, as I said before, and I was there in the foyer afterwards having a cup of coffee. Somebody came up to me and said, you're a pastor and God wants to say this to you about the church. I had no idea who this person was. I asked, I said, who are you? He said, I'm from Argentina. I just happened to be in London and God just told me to tell you this. I have no idea who he was. I don't know his name. I don't know his background. I know nothing about him. And so therefore, you have to then take the saint test and say, well, actually, this is all I know about them. 
But other times where somebody says something to you, you will know them. And you will be able to say where their fruit is. You'll be able to judge and say, actually, is this someone who I recognize as being in tune with God? Is this someone who I see being in tune with God? Because they don't just talk it, they live it out day by day. These are the people that I I know I can depend on. These are the people that I see in their walk with Jesus because I see it moment by moment. I see it when nobody else is watching them. I see it out of the corner of my eye because I just watch what they're doing. I see how they behave. I see how they talk to others. I see how they use their money. I see how they behave themselves. Then you know that if that person, that kind of a person who is in tune with God and you respect their journey of faith, you respect where they are in their relationship with Jesus, says something to you, you can put more weight on that than on those that you have nothing or no knowledge about or those that you do have knowledge about and you recognize that their, their, their journey with Christ is not perhaps what it should be and they're not where they are. So think about the channel. Because we know, I know, that when God tells me to say something to someone else, I know I'm imperfect. I say it because I want to be obedient to God, but I also say it with fear and trepidation, and I hope and I pray that nothing of me will get in the way of that when I communicate it. But I recognize that sometimes maybe it does. You know, I I had a a, a church come to me, uh, another URC church, And they're thinking about joining with the Methodists, where they are. And they they wanted to come and and ask about that. After I cried a bit. No, no. Uh, And I I said, like, uh, you know, because they said, like, you've been here for a long time. You know how it all works. What what change will it mean? How will it work? Can we ask you questions? And I said to them right at the outset, you have to understand that everything I say is going to be biased. A minute. Because it's going to be how I see things, how I've experienced things over the last 16 years in this context, with this circuit, with this URC area. That's the experience I've got. I've not had experience of other Methodist URC churches right across the country. I'm not an expert on it. So I said, take what I say with that degree. I'll try and be honest with you, but it's biased honesty. And we need to recognize that sometimes when we're channels too. So be careful and apply the saint test as well. Check out the fruits of that channel. Do their lives marry up with what they're saying? Or are they just talking from their own experiences or talking from their own will and their own desires rather than from God? And number five is the strength test. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says this. Verses 1 to 4. Follow the way of love. This is after the great love chapter of 1 uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies 
edifies the church. The strength test you need to ask yourself is, is this word edifying God's church? Because every word that comes from God through prophecy edifies, it says, the church. He who prophesies edifies the church. How? Well, it does it through strengthening the church, encouraging the church, and comforting the church. And so you ask yourself, is this message helping to build the church? Either building the church through me, if it's directed towards me or you as an individual, or collectively, is it helping to build the church of Christ or not? If it's not, then alarm bells start ringing. You know It's like God said, David, I'm going to buy you an Audi TT because you've always wanted one. How is that going to help build the church? It's not. So as much as I might want it and think, oh, until it breaks down or something happens to it, and probably till I go over a hump in the middle of the road and it grounds itself, you know how? It's not going to edify the church. It's not for the strengthening, the building up and the comfort of the church. Sometimes you get some of these American uh, preachers, don't you? The Lord told me to tell you I need X number of million for a new jet. You know? I'm just going small fry with an Audi TT on it. You know, like, how's that encouraging building up and strengthening God's church? Is my question. I'm not saying it never, you know, that sometimes these things are never important and we never need these things to help with the ministry, but you need to ask yourself really carefully, is that really helping to strengthen to comfort, to edify the church of God or not? Or is that for your own personal comfort and satisfaction? You need to ask it. And what you need to do is put all these five together. You don't just say, well, it answers number two, therefore I'm going to accept it. It will tick all five boxes as much as possible. So you ask yourself every time, you have a word from God. Every time somebody gives you a word from God, you ask yourself those five things. The scripture test, the savior test, the spirit test, the saints test, and the strength test. Does it agree with those five or not? And if you start worrying about it, you start thinking, well, it maybe agrees with those two, but these three I'm not so sure about. I'm going to add two more tests to the list. These five are biblical. The other two come from me, which is why you don't have them on your sheet. But test number one, it's also kind of biblical. Or test number six, rather, is this. It is the security test. If I am not sure, I will always ask God to confirm it. Always. If I've looked through those five tests and I said, Lord... Honestly, I'm still not sure about this. I will do the Daniel, uh, not the Daniel, the Gideon thing. I will ask God. In fact, I usually always do it anyway. I say, God, I'm going to leave it for you to confirm it in any way that you want to confirm it. But confirm it. Just do it in another way. Do it somehow where I least expect it. But confirm what I think you are saying so that I don't get it wrong. Because I want to just know for sure that what you're saying is the truth. And so I ask the security test question. I say, Lord, I'm just going to wait until you confirm it to me. 
And the seventh test is the servant test. When he confirms it, the question then comes, what am I going to do about it? Because so often, God says something, and we might not particularly like what he's saying. It might make us slightly uncomfortable. It might stretch us in ways that we kind of go, oh, I'm not sure about, oh, do I really want to go there? Lord, is that real? Are you sure? And then we say, oh, well, I've got the security test. Let me, let me go with that one for a while because that maybe that will just lengthen it out a little bit. Lord, please confirm what I'm thinking you're saying to me because it will bide me a little bit of time. And then God does it and then we're still thrown with that question, now what am I going to do about it? I need to act upon it. I have to act upon it. Do you remember the Bereans? They were eager, eager to hear from Paul and check it out. The question is, when God speaks, what do we do about it? Next week, we're going to come as a church. And what we're doing is just this. I've written a paper because God told me to write the paper. I stalled for as long as I could, trust me. Because, to be honest, I don't like putting my head too far above a parapet because you get shot at. And people have shot, quite naturally. And so I stalled and I stalled and I stalled and I said, and Lord was saying to me, David, I want you to write this paper about what I've told you about the future of this church. And I went, no, yeah, that's a good idea, God, but, you know, I haven't got the time to write it. I'm busy I'm busy doing your things. I'm, 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 yeah, I will get around to doing it, God, but, you know, and I, and I sat down a couple of times and it was like, and then I, I suddenly realized there was some important program on TV I just had to watch at that moment. And, and the record button wouldn't work. And, and I just, and I made excuses. Oh, there's somebody I need to go visit. Oh, I'll do it another time, Lord. And then one Sunday night, I was just about to preach here in the church. And I was praying before I got up to preach and God said, write, write it now. And I said, well, I can't do it right now. I'm just about to go preach. This is seriously inconvenient. And he said to me, your day off is tomorrow. Write it. And so I sat down on a Monday and I wrote it and I stalled on the Monday because I, oh, I got laundry to do and the garden needs uh, mowing and um, all the windows are looking a bit dirty. I think I'll go wash them. And I kind of stalled it. And then Tuesday, I was really, really busy, fortunately, at church. And I had no time at all. But Wednesday morning, he woke me up at four in the morning. He said, now write it. And so you, I wrote it. And by eight o'clock, it was all done, dusted, finished. Got it out the system. And what I've done in that paper is these five things. There is nothing in that paper that has not been confirmed by two or three other people. Because I said, I'm not writing anything, Lord, unless you're going to independently verify all these things. I'm not, just because somebody came up to me and said, you're going to do this, this, and this. You better get someone else completely unconnected coming up at me and saying exactly the same things, or I'm not going to write it down. And the Lord has done that. And what we need to do next Sunday, which is why it's so important that we're all here, is to do just this. 
What we're asking, what I'm asking of you next Sunday is to say, is this good or is this evil? Does this pass the test that it's definitely coming from God or is this David just making up stuff in his own heart, in his own life? We believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that Christ, the Spirit of God, speaks through all of us. That's why we're meeting together, to discern what God is saying to us. Because if we agree with what I believe God has said through that paper, Trinity will change dramatically. And we need to discern then how, how we go down that pathway of change, and I don't know where it will end up. But what he's saying to us, I believe, what he has said to us is that you need to be obedient and I'm going to show you each step of the way. That I'm going to explode this place, I'm going to fill it full of people. So like this morning at 11 o'clock, I was sitting there looking out and there was five of us here, or six of us here. And I'm like going, my goodness. And then I start praising as I usually do and I close my eyes and when I open them again, suddenly... Everybody's appeared. But what God is saying to us, or what he has said to us, is that, you know, in the future, if you leave it that late, you'll be in some overflow in the hall. You won't be able to get in. That's going to be a different kind of church than the church we have right now. And we need to discern, is that really, truly what God is saying to us? So what I would ask you to do this week which is why I've shared this today, is to take that sheet of paper home. Get the vision paper out. Look through it. Pray through it. Does it meet those five criteria, seven criteria? Is this from God or is it not? Because if it's not, we don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go down a journey that's not from him. What a waste of our time and energy that will be. And we will end up putting out the Spirit's fire. But if it is from God, we need to embrace it, go with it, so we see the Spirit's fire falling on Trinity in ever-increasing amounts. Let us pray. Lord, I want to thank you today for your word. I want to thank you for your teaching to us. Because it's for us personally. Sometimes when we, people say things to us, we, we've now got tools that we can use to discern whether it's really from you or not from you. But also as a church, Lord, as we meet next week, I pray that everyone will be here and that we will come having prayed through and really confirmed in our own hearts whether this is the right direction from you and therefore, your Spirit's fire will pour itself out into it as we journey down it. Or if it's not from you, Lord, put the block on it so that we don't even start to go that way because we don't want to go anywhere that's not in your direction. Lord, as we spend a little bit of time this week praying and reading again that paper, and applying these, these tests to it, confirm in our hearts, I pray, 
your will, your desire. For I ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.